0: Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to healthcare.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow. I'm very glad that you've chosen to join us today, whether you're listening live right now on Business Radio X, North Fulton's uh, studio, or if you're listening to this as a podcast, wherever you stream your podcast, we appreciate your attention and your uh, your advice as you give it to us. We've been blessed in recent days with some comments and and advice about topics, so people are getting more involved, and I think that's wonderful. I am here in my office studio, which has been seriously upgraded since last time. Uh, John Ray, my producer, is in his home studio, which is incredibly luxurious, and he's got this nice boom stand and mic, and now I have the same thing, and I hope I sound better, John, and I know I look better, but how are things sounding? You sound great and uh, crystal clear. You know, you always have, and I'm glad because that's that's an important thing. I want people to not have to struggle. So here it is, the middle of October 2020, uh, the year that will not end, and uh, we are still in the midst of the pandemic. I think people are at their wits end with it for the most part. People are ready to be over with it, and I think that's a a bad thing because it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Someone asked me today in a store, I was actually shopping for shoes. My wife would be tickled to know that. Um, that's the last thing I need is a pair of shoes. And uh, this guy said, Well, is it going to be over after the election? <laughs> I, said, I said, No, it's not going to be over after the election, but hopefully the hype will calm down after the election. So I've got a, a topic today that I want to talk about. And before I get to it, as I've done many times in the last few months, I want to give a a few comments about the pandemic, about the virus, coronavirus, the disease it causes, which is COVID-19. We have had at Mara Family Medicine, in the neighborhood of probably 250 cases of COVID-19, and very unfortunately, we've had five deaths in our patient population. Um, Every time that I mention that to someone, the first thing that most of them ask is, well, were they elderly Were they old? And my answer to that is, for the most part, yes, they were old. But what they weren't was dying. And they weren't dying. And they were doing fine. And they were playing with their grandchildren and enjoying themselves and their hobbies and their life. And then that was cut short. So certainly people can die from coronavirus. But as anyone who is against the whole idea of protecting ourselves will tell you, the death rate for this is probably less than 1%. It's not a terribly deadly virus for most people, but to be honest, and and it's a difficult thing to phrase, I'm not certain how to say this, but what I want to say is that dying is not the worst thing that can happen from coronavirus, but obviously it is, but it's not the most common thing, and there are still other devastating things that happen because of this virus, and almost all of these are things that separate this virus from the flu. So when you've heard people say it's the flu, here's why it's not. Okay, people that get COVID-19 go through a few phases. They have the viral phase when they just have cold-like symptoms and they're getting infected and the virus is building up in their system. And then they have the inflammatory phase, the pulmonary phase, the cytokine storm phase, whatever you want to call it. They haven't really settled on good names for the, the phases yet. But the second week is when this happens. That's when your immune system kicks in sort of into overdrive, and that's what really causes a lot of problems. And then the third week, you have the hypercoagulability phase, which is when you develop blood clots and so forth. So one of the things that can happen, if you go in the hospital with COVID-19 and you require oxygen for any period of time, the chances are really good that you could end up with respiratory failure. And what you have when you have respiratory failure is you have a thing called acute respiratory distress syndrome which is something you frankly don't want. It's when your your lungs are almost incapable of transferring oxygen to your system. They don't work like they're supposed to. They're they're damaged. They're injured. They're swollen. They're stiff. And it's a terrible sensation. And a lot of people end up on a ventilator, although they've learned to try not to do that. But some people do. And about half or more people that end up on a ventilator die. So you don't want ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome. But the other thing that can happen is this virus can attack your heart and it may not kill you, but it can leave you with what we call heart failure in medicine, a weakened heart so that for the rest of your life, it can be difficult for you to walk across the room or certainly go out shopping or go work in the yard or do things that require oxygen, extra oxygen. And so you can be incredibly short of breath, your feet swell. It's a miserable existence in a lot of cases. And that's something again, that, you don't want, and you can get that without having the worst case of COVID-19 and certainly without dying. You can easily get a secondary infection, and that's similar to the flu because people with the flu often get bacterial secondary infections, and you can get that whether it's in your blood or your lung or any part of your body, and you can have a terrible time fighting that off to the point that you even end up with what's called septic shock, which is what most people call blood poisoning, where you get the bacteria then in your bloodstream And now you're about as sick as you can be, and a lot of those people don't make it. Kidney injury is common. The kidneys have the same receptors in them, so does the heart that this virus attaches to. So if it attaches to your kidneys, you can end up with kidney disease and damaged kidneys, and some people can end up on dialysis. And that can be a permanent thing. So it can be a long-term problem. And then the blood clotting. We had a a patient, this is uh, four or five weeks ago now, we had a patient 45 years old who had been diagnosed with COVID two weeks earlier, did not have a bad case, and he presented to the office with a dead left ring finger. His ring finger was dying right here in front of us. It was gray. It was peeling at the tip. It was so painful you couldn't touch it, and it was swollen. It was terrible, and he ended up in the hospital on blood thinners and so forth, and They were able to save his finger, but it took a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort on everybody's part. And he went through quite some misery. And then you have the multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children, the MISC you hear about. And this is a condition that's kin to some other autoimmune things where you just get a world of inflammatory problems. And these these are children that are getting this, and, and they can easily end up with lifelong problems because of it. And then lastly, you get what most people refer to as the long haulers, the people who months and months and months and months after having COVID-19 still have any multitude of symptoms that they had when they were sick, and they just can't get rid of them. And so these people are, are fighting and fighting to get back to their baseline, and it is just not an easy thing to do. So wear your mask so you don't spread it. Stay away from people you think might have it. Do everything you can, wash your hands and so forth, continue to distance yourself, be smart, and hopefully you won't have to deal with any of these things. So that's the coronavirus update for October 14th, 2020. Now, the rest of this time, I want to talk about something that I end up talking about every single day in my practice. It's something that I personally have a problem with and always have, always will. Uh, Many people in my family have a problem with it. Always have and always will. And that's your weight. I'm not going to talk about dieting. I'm not going to talk about diet pills. I'm going to talk about your weight and how to deal with your weight. For years, I've explained to patients about their weight using a term called ideal body weight. And more often patients would come to me and say, what's my ideal body weight. And your ideal body weight is a number that, most people will never reach or, or be at, which is you get a hundred pounds for the first five feet of height, man or woman, and then women get an extra five pounds for every inch over five feet. Men get an extra six pounds for every inch over five feet. So call me six feet. I'm twelve basically. So that's a hundred plus six times 12 is 72. My ideal body weight would be 172 pounds. John, I weighed 172 pounds for about 10 minutes in the ninth grade. <laughs> I went past it like a shot. And, and if I weighed 172 pounds, no one would ever come see me because they would be convinced that I was incredibly ill, probably contagious, and I, I would look so sickly, no one would come near me. So think about that. If you're a woman 5'2", your ideal body weight is 110 pounds. If you're thinking about being at your ideal body weight I want you to think twice about that. It's not an easy thing to do. It's a terrible number, almost an unreachable number, and especially in the state of Georgia. In Georgia, the obesity rate is close to the highest in the country. I think we're 11th highest when it was last counted. And and I'm really not one to preach to people that they need to get down to a certain level because it is so doggone hard. It's just so very difficult. So in recent days, recent years, we've started using a person's BMI, their body mass index, to determine if they're obese or not. Now, this gives you a little bit more leeway, but still, even with BMI, the numbers are are pretty strict. Unlike the ideal body weight, the BMI takes more of a person into consideration. To determine your BMI, here's for the math whizzes in the audience, you multiply your height times 703. Divide that by your height in inches and divide that number by your height in inches again. So it's a function of your height squared. Okay. It's about body area and so forth. So if your BMI is below 19, you're considered underweight and you really might need to gain some weight. You should talk to your doctor. If your BMI is between 19 and 24, you're considered healthy, but you're also probably considered not a Georgian because it'd be unusual for someone in Georgia to have a BMI in that number. We don't see many people like that at all, but those are healthy people. If your BMI is over 25, between 25 and 29, you're considered overweight. And most people whose BMI is 25 or six or seven, they they really look pretty doggone good and they are pretty pleased with how they're doing. But if your BMI is over 30, you're obese. If it's over 35, you're morbidly obese. So, I see people every day who are upset about their weight. I mean, uh, again, living in Georgia, it's impossible not to. And it, it's it's a multitude of things that make this happen. But I, I'll tell a lot of them, if you're going to stay in Georgia, when I see these these normal weight people, I'll tell them, if you're going to stay in Georgia, you're going to have to gain some weight because they will come by and start force feeding you if you don't, because you just you don't look like the rest of us. in a visit where weight does come up, it might be a man. It might be a woman. If it's a man, usually there's a woman who's recommended he bring it up, but men are very lucky because men are able to lose weight when they put their mind to it. They can do that at almost any age, really, whether they're, you know young and 30 or if they're old in my age they can very often still lose weight just by putting some extra effort into it just by not eating this and not eating that and women god bless them women have so much more trouble losing weight i mean women patients in general but women don't like to hear this but the truth of the matter is if you're a postmenopausal woman you're incredibly unlikely to lose any substantial weight you're just really not likely to. And, and what I really hate is that a lot of times people will make it their life goal. They'll make it the most important thing, and they get incredibly frustrated because they just cannot do it. They just cannot lose the weight that they want to lose. And, and I, I don't like that. I'd much rather someone be a little bit heavier and be happy than be lighter and, and, and be restricted to the point that they're miserable. So there are several reasons. I've got a few reasons here, too, especially that I want to talk about, about why it's so hard. The first one is genetics. I mean, anybody that knows me, if you've looked at pictures on the website or about the podcast or if you know me at all, you know I'm a fat guy, period. Always have, always will be. I've probably lost 1,200 pounds in my life. But unfortunately, I've gained a whole lot more than that. But if I go to a family reunion, there's a whole room full of people that look just like me. I tell most people I look like every woman on my mother's side of the family because when I was younger, they were all bigger women. And as they got older, a lot of them did lose some weight. But I come from big people, mostly my mother's side. My dad's side, not so much. My mother's side of the family, we love to eat, we love to laugh, and we're bigger people than a lot of people and i love these people and we but we share these same genes and and it just forces us to be predisposed to be that way it's just the way it is and you can't change anything about that now you can work really hard you can exercise as much as you can you can try to be as active as you can you can be as good as you can about eating better and my usual retort about weight loss which is to eat less food period but you're not going to change the impact that genetics has on your weight, period, you just aren't. It's not going to happen. And then there's lifestyle. And this is when it really gets people. I mean, sure, you can change your lifestyle. You can start doing things differently. You can join a gym. You can start running. Although another thing people hate to hear me say is if you're over 40 or too old to run, but you can start exercising, certainly. And if you do that, yes, your weight's going to change. Back in the 80s, back in the old days, and it kills me that I practiced in the old days, but I did. But back in the old days, I wrote an actual diet booklet that I would hand out to patients. I had about a thousand of these things printed up. And the booklet said, if you want to change your weight, you have to change your life. And it's true. And I think that's the number one reason that it's so very difficult. The life that you've been living, the life that you're enjoying, has equals being this size and if you want to change that size you have to change that lifestyle because you can't change your genetics you have to change what you can and that's lifestyle this book had a a substitution diet in it like a diabetic substitution diet and at the beginning of it I, i said that a diet has a couple of different meanings it can be just the food that you eat on a regular basis my diet consists of this Or, and this is where people get in trouble, it can be a plan that you utilize in an effort to lose weight. And the problem there is that almost everybody, I'm really willing to say everybody, who is on a diet like that is thinking, man, I can't wait to get to my goal weight so I can get off of this diet. And that's the problem. Because if you want to change your weight, you have to change your life. And if you want to maintain that weight loss, you have to maintain that change in your life. It's just incredibly difficult. I'm a lifetime member at Weight Watchers. I'm very proud of that fact. About 14 years ago, I got my lifetime membership, lost my 42 pounds. I was going to meetings in person. It was educational. It was great support. And I remember the night that I got my lifetime membership. They handed me this award. And they made it feel so much like graduation that that night I graduated from Weight Watchers and I stopped doing Weight Watchers. And sure enough, the 42 pounds were back on me in, in no time flat. And that's a problem. So this 42nd episode of Two Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow is brought to you by Mara Family Medicine. We are currently seeing sick patients in our Milton office. We are seeing well patients in our coming office. We're doing COVID-19 testing in the Milton office. Uh, we have purchased machines to do testing in-house, although if you followed that at all, you may know that Abbott is very short on the cartridges, so having the machine doesn't do you a lot of good if you don't have the cartridges to do the test, but we're hoping to be doing those soon. And we're doing everything we can to continue what we have always said, which is to bring care back to health care. We want people to feel cared for, and that's our goal, and and frankly, I think we've done a pretty good job in the years that the awards that you hear about the best of this and that have been running, best of precise run for six years. We've won it all six years. We've been in North Atlanta, that's North Fulton really, uh, for five years, and we've won that award five times, and we're very happy about that and proud of that. And it's happened because of people like yourself who are listening right now, patients that have let us take care of them and have gone to the trouble to go out and and vote their uh, desire for us to win that. So we appreciate that very much. So if you're overweight or if you're obese, even in my opinion, you should be a lot more concerned about not gaining weight year after year. Then you are about trying to lose a bunch of weight to get down to some number. I had a patient in office last week for a physical. I've seen him for years. He said, how to I do with my weight, doc? I said, you gained five pounds. He pumped his fist and went, yes. And I said, and you have said that seven years in a row. Seven years in a row, he gained four or five pounds. He's up 35 pounds in seven years. And that's not the trend you want. He didn't start coming to me as a small man. So he's up 35 pounds. That's a problem. you know, Now, sure, if you're up and down and up and down, that's great. But if you're up and down, looks like the stock market over the last several months, that's a problem too. You don't want to be doing that. That's not how you want you to, your weight to go. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. It's been shown that it's worse for you to gain weight and lose weight and gain weight and lose weight. So it's much better to concentrate on not gaining any more weight. And it's a more successful venture, most likely. Now, if you're a youngster, you got to love youngsters. If you're a youngster, go ahead and, and try to get down to where you feel like you ought to be. Do it then. Do it when you're young. Do it when you're less than 40 or certainly 45. And, and, and then try to not gain weight year after year. That's a wonderful thing. But most of the people that I see are coming in and they're already in the neighborhood of 50, 55, 60. And they're heavier than they need to be but they need to be much more concerned about not gaining weight than they are about what's going to happen if they try to lose 25, 30 pounds. I admire anybody that has a goal of making themselves healthier. I I think that's, I I wish I had a practice full of those people, and I've got a lot of them, but I, I wish everybody in the practice had that as their goal. It's what we all should be doing all along, really. But when I see people who are just devastated by their inability to lose weight, it concerns me. It upsets me. And and many, many people do get exactly that. They're just torn apart by the fact that they can't lose weight. And a lot of times they don't understand it. And it can be very difficult. Often these people would otherwise be perfectly happy in their lives if they weren't having to deal with that, and I think if, if I or if we in medicine can change that mindset to one where they're pleased with their current state and they're working as hard as they can to maintain that state, then I think those people are going to be better off, and I think that's a, a good service for those people, but my bottom line in this, at least for me, my bottom line is be who you are because that's who you are, try to be happy with who you are, but be the healthiest version of who you you are that you can be. And I think if you do that, then you're going to be able to avoid an awful lot of the complications that come with weight and blood pressure and cholesterol and diabetes and things like that, that, that come along with being heavier. So I hope people will, will keep that in mind and, and, and try to have a, a good starting point going forward for maintaining and hopefully be happier and more at ease with the way things are, because I think that's a, a much better way to go, and it can really help you to, in the long run, deal with your weight. And, John, that's what I got.
0: Well, <clears throat> you're giving grace on weight. Say that again? You're giving grace on weight. Oh. I mean, you're giving well, grace to people.
1: I think people need that mm. in, Lord, so many ways mm. right now. Right. But, uh, you know, people are, for the most part, trying to do the best they can. And I think that needs to be pointed out more often than it usually is. Have you
0: seen, uh, with folks coming in for physicals uh, now, and I guess the a lot of the uh, fall and year-end physicals are starting right now, or have started. Um, are you seeing a lot more weight gain this year because folks have been quarantined? Uh, I get, they call it jokingly the Corona bellies, but
1: well, yes, we are. We're seeing the Corona bellies. We're seeing people put on the COVID nineteen, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, it just makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody's been less active this year than they were last year. I mean, it's almost impossible to imagine you hadn't people working from home and working from home has had a couple of different effects though. A lot of people and not working from home were going out for big heavy lunches, but instead they're at home eating a salad for lunch. Mm. And I've seen people lose weight and I've also seen people gain weight. Um, I think I'd be foolish to think I'd seen more lose weight than gain, but it's nice to see some that have lost weight, but there's no question that I think people are more sedentary right now. So we are seeing people gain weight. And we're I think you have to cut them some slack, I mean if you don't understand that people are gonna gain some weight during the pandemic, then you're probably just not paying attention
0: so uh you and I have a lot in common <laughs> being uh big bone big boned southern boys that grew up in families that like to eat uh is what <laughs> Is uh yeah, hits a lot of different points with me um why is it that they? The folks that come up with BMI and all these different measures cannot factor in uh folks that are big framed people. I mean, and my grandmother was one of those people. I mean, she had a big frame and
1: you know how, Well, I think it's because the studies all show that the more you weigh, the more problems you're gonna have. Uh there's very little doubt that these people who are BMI twenty five or less are going to have less chronic diseases and chronic illnesses for the most part than I'm going to have. They're going to have less arthritis, less blood pressure problems, less cholesterol problems, less heart disease, less diabetes. It's just the way it is. And so the studies show that if you're lighter in the long run, you have a better outcome. And I think that's true. But again, you can only control what you can control. And when you can't, or if you can't control your weight because you come from a long line of caudals, like I do, (laughs) got to love them, then I think you just have to cut yourself some slack. There's just no better way to put it.
0: Well, but what you're arguing, though, is that uh, folks uh, are expending so much mental anguish over it that that's more harmful than the extra weight. That's what I heard
1: you say. Yes, and I think it is. And, And if you think about it, if you're heavy and you get depressed about the fact that you can't lose weight, then what happens to the likelihood that you're going to be able to do some exercise and be motivated to get out and do stuff? It it tanks. I mean, if you're depressed or or down in the dumps about the fact that you're heavy, you're not going to be excited about going and doing anything because you're clinically depressed in a lot of cases. And I, I think that just adds to the problem. So, if you can make yourself be happy with where you are and consider that your starting point, be good with where you are and then be excited about going out and doing things that can keep you from getting heavier.
0: Now, one of the things that uh, we know that has occurred this year due to the pandemic is alcohol sales have gone way up. And so what, what, are, what kind of comments do you have about that?
1: Well, it's one of those things you have to be incredibly careful about. You know, alcohol sales are up. Domestic violence is up. These are things that are a huge problem and is sort of the, the unmentioned consequence of the pandemic. A lot of people don't talk about it, won't talk about it. But it is a, a huge problem. Uh, it, it's It's an obvious problem because of what alcohol use and abuse can do to you and your family. But also on the topic today, alcohol makes you gain weight. So if you're doing more of that, there's just more weight gain. So you have to be extremely careful about all that kind of thing. But luckily, John, another thing that's up during the pandemic is bicycle sales. Mm. About two months ago, uh, I was, I read, I think I read or was told one or the other that none of the department stores in the area had bicycles because they had all been sold out because kids were at home and they were looking for things to do and they were actually out riding bicycles. Mm. And I remember riding bicycles and you hadn't seen a lot of that in young people in a long time. And for that to be the case, that's, that can be a good thing that came out of this.
0: True. True. It's not all bad. That's right. It's not all bad. That's right. So awesome.
1: All right, everybody. I really appreciate everyone listening. Please, whatever platform you're listening on, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when we have a new episode, which is every second and fourth Wednesday of the month. And for now, that is to your health.